0: there, and happy Star Wars week. I am Father Roderick, recording this on the 5th of May. Yesterday was, of course, Star Wars Day, May the 4th, be with you, and today is Revenge of the 5th. So we'll talk a lot about Star Wars this week. But before I do that, I want to uh, bring you a some news about the community. We have two new patrons, Morton crosby Seether. I hope I pronounced that correctly, and Bradley Campbell. They both have joined our patron community. And Brian Rupert has um, gone to the next tier as a patron. So thank you so much for your support. Uh, you know how to join the community if you're able to, if you want to, if you get value out of what I do, and many of you do. Uh, go over to patreon.com slash father there are many ways in which you can help do you know what's going on this is what's happening in your world face it catholics rule we got boston south america the good part of ireland and we're making serious inroads in mozambique baby you've taken your first step into a larger world It is, of course, the week of the coronation of King Charles III. As of the time that I'm recording this, that will happen tomorrow. Maybe when you're listening to this, that has already happened. But um, I've already, I've seen a few a few of the preparations when I was in London and uh, I, I, I walked around in uh, the vicinity of Buckingham Palace. Uh, they were already kind of tidying up the place and um, uh, working on, on the parks because, of course, there will be a lot of, of uh, shots from the the big lawn that, that goes straight to Buckingham Palace. That's, of course, where you have the parades and everything. Um, so they were um, making sure that everything looks really nice um, and Jason who actually I met while I was in London and we walked together to to Buckingham Palace in the afternoon um, he bumped into the the official rehearsals of the Royal Guard I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before yesterday and he he shot a quick um, uh, video on his phone and uh, posted it on on our discord server in our community and it was pretty cool it's it's even the rehearsals were already super impressive, let alone, you know, what we're going to see tomorrow. I'm very curious to follow everything on TV, of course. Uh, it's going to be uh, um, aired all over the world, um, including the the actual coronation ritual. Um, and uh, there is a part during that ritual which will we won't be able to see, and that's the anointment of the king. Uh, this of course goes back to to a very ancient tradition in in the Bible where kings were anointed uh, with oil as a sign of God's blessing it's actually what the word Christ Christos in Greek means it's the anointed one and so if we anoint uh, rulers and kings it is to refer to the king Christ, who is the the, the the you know the ultimate king of the world, and uh, we hope that our our present day kings and queens will uh, follow in his footsteps and and will be good shepherds instead of just rulers and let alone dictators. So, but that is a very sacred moment. It's also part of the uh, of the ordination liturgy. In fact, when uh, I was ordained, my hands were also anointed with uh, uh, with holy oil. Uh, with blessed oil and uh, chrism it's called in the Catholic tradition um, and and that's a very um it's it's a very holy moment um, and this is the reason why in the liturgy slash uh, ritual around a coronation that won't be uh, aired so the cameras will will Films, whatever else is happening in the building, but they won't zoom in on the anointment of the king. Um, It's interesting to see that there are such ancient, uh, kind of biblical, liturgical elements in this whole uh, coronation ceremony. It's 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 very um, rich when it comes to symbolism. And and rituals. Uh, that's probably also why a lot of people like to watch it, because it's it's rare in our very um, matter-of-fact, business-like world to to be confronted with so much symbolism and so much pomp and circumstance, liter- literally. Um, and uh, nowadays, the only places where you see this kind of stuff is in Disney World, you know, <laughs> and in movies. Uh, we rarely see this in, in our present day. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to see um, that in England, they, they love those traditions. And, uh, and, 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 of course, it's not the only monarchy in Europe. Um, my own country, the Netherlands, also has a king. And uh, in the future, probably also a queen. Um, and there is a similar coronation uh, ritual uh, but it's it's in, in its form very different from what we will see in in London. so uh, cheers to <laughs> all my British listeners um, I, I hope that Charles will be a good king um, and that uh, uh, I know of course that, that there is also as always uh, criticism on on the royal family on the whole institution of uh, the, the monarchy. Uh, but nevertheless, it's just the way it is. So let's hope that he will be an inspiring leader. And um, yeah, I still value these traditions, even though um, they're sometimes a bit—they feel a bit out of place in our in our uh, modern times. Um, let's move over to the news when when the world of Star Wars is concerned, because of course this is Star Wars week. <laughs> I do not like movies. They're predictable, like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine, I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. All right, May the 4th be with you it is of course just a play of words that resulted in this relatively new tradition of star wars day i have no idea who came up with that and how long it exists but nowadays every every day of the year almost has a special a special theme like we got national international pancake day international day of the whatever Maybe in the future we'll have a national Grogu Day. I don't know, but uh, May the Fourth is is Star Wars Day, and then um, I think it was the five oh first who came up uh, with uh, this, this community of cosplayers came up with, uh, well, why don't we call uh, attention to the the Empire and uh, to all the stormtroopers and, um, and 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 imperial guards on. On the next day, uh, The Revenge of the fifth, which, of course, is a is a play on The Revenge of the Sith. So, anyway, two days with lots of attention for Star Wars. Um, as you can imagine, there is always some extra news coming from Star Wars headquarters. Um, actually, it... There wasn't a big reveal. I was expecting something, like a new trailer or something. Instead, what we got was, uh, I think, a, a sale uh, of Star Wars items at the Disney store, which seems a bit hmm, money-grabby. And, uh, and and then the launch of an already announced uh, second season of the uh, Star Wars series, Visions. Um, we... Already had a preview during the Star Wars celebration. Um, I, I happened to walk into um, the panel about Star Wars Visions, which actually i i wasn't I wasn't supposed to be there, but they let us in anyway. And this was the final panel before the concluding, you know, end celebration or the the, the what is it? The closure ceremony of the Star Wars celebration. And so I got to see the Artvark uh, animated short. Um, so AdVark is the, the, the company that makes these, uh, uh, what is it, Wallace and Gromit and, and a lot of the, Claymation, Claymation. And they did this, a very cool Star Wars short, um, which is called I Am Your Mother. And it's about uh, this, um, this girl who, whose mother actually, I think, used to be a pilot. And they enter uh, a, something looks a bit like a pod race. Uh, and of course, there is also another family that is uh, rep- representing the dark side. and it's it's so funny, and it's full of little quirks and and jokes. Um, extremely well done, especially if you consider that all that is done you know, frame by frame in, in claymation. It's uh, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, and I, I, I watched um, the first episode um, of, of the second season of Visions uh, yesterday, which was also very cool, very different style. Um, and it was a story about um, an artist, uh, so a young woman who uh when we first see her she she wakes up from a very bad dream and we don't know exactly why she has these nightmares she has a little droid companion droid and she paints the cool thing is the whole the whole animated movie looks like like a an expressionistic painting it's a very distinctive style um the only thing that comes close to it uh is is a video game that i played in vr which was f- very similar in style uh, but very cool, and then, you know, over the course of, what is it, eight minutes or so, uh, you, you see a confrontation with her darker um, uh, the, the darker side that is part of her. And it was a very interesting, very abstract type of story, but it works really well, and there were some memorable moments. And this is what I love about the whole pro- project. It's, it's not supposed to be part of... Uh, the 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 big the greater Star Wars narrative when it comes to the canon or it doesn't introduce new um, uh, new elements in the timeline but these are more like impressionistic uh, expressions of uh, of artists is much more about the, the the kind of stories they tell and then they tell one of their stories in the universe. Of of Star Wars, um, Studio Ghibli uh, did uh, a, an animated short about Grogu, um, which you can already watch on 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 Disney, on Disney Plus. And I actually expected that to be part of Visions as well, but it uh, it was released separately. Maybe because St- Studio Ghibli is is such a like an institution, such a thing apart, they didn't want to throw it into the into the mix with uh, all the other animators but very much worth your time i can't wait to uh, to discover all the other creative ways in which uh, all these artists from all over the world have been uh, telling their typical star wars stories and I, I i'm hoping that this will that this is part of an ongoing broadening you could say of the of the palette of star wars um, a lot of the current uh, existing Star Wars movies and television shows very much depending on the visual styles and the narrative style of of what George Lucas did, um, which was already very innovative and it's new and it's unexpected, but it's still a certain type of story, certain language or certain visual language, and I hope that in the future Lucasfilm and Disney will will dare to... Tell different types of stories, and/or in such a is is in a certain way already a bit of a departure from what we were used to. Um, but I can also see a comedy. Why not? And not just Lego comedy, comedic stuff. We're used to that. But just do it. You know, a one hundred percent Star Wars comedy. I think it could totally work without even disturbing the timeline or having to you know set it apart too much. Um, yeah, in its essence, Star Wars itself is. Already a certain type of genre. I, I saw an interview with George Lucas uh, that was recorded right after he sold the company to Disney, and before the Phantom Man, the not the Phantom Man, is the the Force Awakens came out, and he is asked, "How do you feel about that?" And he then explains that he was working on on sequel movies, etc., but that uh what people should not forget is that Star Wars in its core at least the, the, what the projects that he worked on was was nothing but a soap opera he says it is it's just a soap opera literally about it's about family it's not about spaceships it's not about you know it's not science fiction it's it's family drama <laughs> and it's it's in it's a little bit over the top hence the 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 label of of soap opera i thought it was very interesting that that george lucas Himself labels his uh, opus magnum as as soap opera, but of course, soap, op- soap opera is also just one genre of storytelling. You you can tell uh, different types of stories in this same in this same galaxy that he created, um, and and this is of, of course also what's at stake for the future of Star Wars. We know that uh, um, they are working on three new Star Wars movies. Um, and and for the first time they are expanding the timeline so they go back to and the, the, the this kind of mythical fictional timeline of Star Wars goes goes back thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of years before the events in a new hope um and and one of those movies um with uh the director of of Indiana Jones 5 at the helm will tell the story about the emergence of the Jedi like the the, the 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 early beginnings of, of the well the force has probably been there forever, um, but it's the first time that the force starts to impact people, and so it's a very interesting origin story. And, it, and all of a sudden, the timeline becomes so much broader than just the events in the New Hope and the Skywalker saga. And they are going to, to expand it also in the other direction, uh, because of course one of the movies will feature Daisy Ridley, and we'll talk about the aftermath. Of the sequels, and maybe it will start a new part of the timeline, new developments. I wouldn't be surprised if that movie, that particular movie, is going to be the lead into a all new, different part of 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 the timeline. Just as in Star Trek, the Next Generation did that, and and uh, was was its thing on its own, and yet it is part of the total Star Trek timeline. And now they're doing the same, of course, with, uh, the, um, with Discovery. They went forward in time. Um, and who knows what else is, is going to happen with Picard. Uh, they're also moving forward in time. Um, and and maybe that will lead to news stories. Who knows? Uh, and there will be one other movie, the third movie, and that's going to be about the time of the High Republic. Of course, that is a very important commercial uh, new thing that that Disney is doing, uh, where it's it's it describes kind of the the Renaissance Golden Age of the Jedi, um, and the this television series, the Acolyte, is going to take place. I think in that era. And it's also going to be very different from anything we've seen before. They described it during the Star Wars celebration as a mix between Frozen and Kill Bill, told from the perspective of the villains. Now, that, is, that makes me very uh, intrigued and also a bit worried because Star Wars and Frozen, seriously? <laughs> is it going to be about the Force? Let it flow, let it flow. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I hope it's not a musical, Um, but uh, of course, these these three projects. There's a lot at stake for for Lucasfilm and for Disney, especially since they are for the first time going to broaden the scope of the timeline, which then will enable a lot of other creators to to step in and you know fill in the blanks. Um, So it it frees them from this kind of constraint. Skywalker timeline even a show like The Mandalorian it's all taking place in that very small you know segment of, of, of uh, the, the timeline um, so hopefully this is going to, to free up a lot of creative energy but of course they have to get it right because these are movies and <laughs> the reputation of, of Lucasfilm and Disney is, um, is at stake and not everyone was was totally happy with the sequel movies um I think even George Lucas sometimes wondered what are they doing but um uh, th- th- one of the signs that we uh, that that shows us that 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 they are very serious about this is that Damon Lindelof, who was actually supposed to write the script for the movie featuring daisy ridley he's been he's been let go, and at first you know, it was all presented as an amicable departure, um, something maybe that he did out of his own volition because he had already pre-announced his departure by saying, you know, we need to get it right. If we can't tell a great story, then it's not worth it. And then a few weeks later, it was uh, uh, announced that he would leave the project and that they had found another writer. Uh, Apparently... He He's now spoken a little bit more about his departure, and it wasn't voluntary. He was actually fired. Well, fired. Maybe that's a big word, but uh, they replaced him, and it, that's usually creative differences. So maybe he was taking the story into a direction in a direction where where Kathleen Kennedy and and Disney um, thought, you know, this this is not going to work for our fans, and uh, this has happened before. It happened with Solo where it, it, the 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 entire movie was basically reshot and redone it happened with rogue 1 the entire last part of rogue 1 was completely re- rewritten by tony gilroy the guy who was now at the helm of 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 andor and if he if they hadn't stepped in rogue 1 may have been a complete disaster who knows we will never know because disney does not um tell us about these these troubles um and about these these creative differences um and and that's a pity i think at least after the movie has come out they just for the sake of the fans and for the sake of of cinema history um they should tell the story of how these stories ultimately came about we know this very well from from the uh, when it comes to the the existing movies under George Lucas, because George Lucas himself was always very open about where where he made changes. Um, like he, he said in, in that same interview that I just mentioned, that he tried to step away from the movies like Empire Strikes Back and and the uh, Return of the Jedi. He he entrusted that to other directors, but after a few weeks. He, he he just stepped in. He said, I, I had to. I, I needed to help these directors to find the story and to do this right. And I couldn't let go. And it was actually way more work than if I had directed these movies myself. So George Lucas himself gives a lot of information when it comes to how these the plans around these movies were evolving. Disney doesn't say a word. They all keep it under wraps. And maybe that's for PR reasons, but I, I don't... I, Kind of hope that at one point they will allow the people involved to to tell their part of the story. It's it's just this franchise is so important that I think we 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 can learn so much from this creative process, including the things that don't go wrong. You know, it may be difficult for for Disney to admit that sometimes they got it wrong, and and every once in a while, in an interview, they will say it more or less. But um, but we need details. We need facts um because this is this is this is the creation of new mythology and uh, that's not a magical process that is a human process and so we, just as much as we do research into how the, the various books of the bible were written and who wrote them and when and and, and what was edited and and, and etc um I feel as a Star Wars, as a serious Star Wars fan, that I want to know how how this process works when it comes to creating a, a new mythology like Star Wars. Here's hoping. When it comes to um, Andor 2, uh, the second season, there's good news. Of course, we were surprised, well, actually not surprised, uh, what what everybody thought <laughs> knew was coming. The Rider Strike actually is now a fact. The Riders Guild is on strike. There's no more writing, no more late night talk shows um, and and of course the last time that this happened is many years ago it uh, it was quite the disaster for Hollywood and it caused billions and billions of losses uh, and it it, it uh, hampered um, a number of television series tremendously. Think of um, uh, Battlestar Galactica. There's an entire season where you can tell that the writers were on strike because it's not very good. Um, and the whole story kind of grinds to a halt. The same thing with Lost during the writer strike. Uh, there, there were a few seasons where it's, it's not very good. So... Um, here's hoping that um, the big companies, among which Disney, will listen to the voice of their writers. Without writers, you wouldn't have Star Wars stories. You wouldn't have movies and TV shows and late night shows. And what these writers ask is not unreasonable. Uh, I've, I've I'm following um, uh, a writer, Michael Jam- Jammin, on uh, on Instagram and on YouTube, and he's he's a, he does almost like daily updates about the process of, of being a writer in Hollywood. And he teaches, he has a course teaching people how to write for TV and, and movies. Um, but he's now doing um, daily updates from the picket line. And and he uses it also to interview other fellow writers. It's very interesting to follow him. Uh, I'll, I'll include a link to his, um, to his feed in the show notes. Um, but he also explains why they are on strike and what the demands are. And, you know seeing how much money is being made on these huge streaming platforms, how much the big people at the top are, how much money they make. It's insane. Look at like Warner Brothers, for instance. Uh, The people there at the top, they, they make so much money compared to what they, nowadays a lot of writers are paid minimum wage and they can be writers for, like, super popular television shows that, every, that millions of people are watching. They still get paid minimum wage. And they're not even say, certain that in the future their scripts may not be used for analysis to get artificial intelligence write similar scripts, you know? It's like an artist who paints pictures and then gets an- all these paintings get analyzed by artificial intelligence, and then, then they can reprodu- reproduce whatever they want in the style of that particular artist. Everybody understands that, that that would be wrong, that you need to protect the creative genius of these writers. Um, and yet... This is one of the things that that the Writers Guild has not been able to negotiate with the with the big companies. The big companies were like, uh, oh, you know, why can't if we can fire Tony Gilroy because he's now demanding a lot of money, and we'll just uh, make and or season three based on the two on the scripts that we have for the previous two seasons. It, over time, I think artificial intelligence can do a pretty convincing job, but of course, you need to we need to protect our creators without. The human genius. There won't be artificial intelligence worth worth anything. Um, so anyway, but Andor two. Speaking of Tony Gilroy, he himself has has um, uh, uh, stated that he wrapped the script for the second season just a few days before the beginning of the writer strike. So they are already filming, um, but it means that they can they can film the they can finish the entire thing. Um, based on the scripts. Now, of course, that doesn't include rewrites. So if they stumble into trouble, uh, like script trouble, while they are filming, then, yeah, they can't call up the writers. Um, They'll have to fix it in post. So that's why I think the editing process of season two is even going to be more important, because uh, um, editors can, in a certain way, also do rewrites, just by leaving out stuff or rearranging scenes so a lot of the pressure will be on the editors uh, because you cannot go back to the writers it's it's uh, it's far-reaching and hopefully there, there will be a, um, a deal soon and, and and it won't last for for several months because i think that we 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 often don't realize how much we depend on on the writers and i i feel like they they should have a piece of the pie um, in these economic difficult times for everyone. Speaking of writers, one of my favorite science fiction writers, Michael Straczynski, has been teasing a new Babylon Five related project for more than a week now. Now, Babylon Five is a is a is a classic science fiction series uh, beloved by many. Uh, maybe you've seen it, maybe not. Maybe it's you've seen it a long time ago. It's 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 very dated now when it comes to Special effects. It's, this was one of the first television shows to use um, uh, CGI for the spaceships, but it was all done on, I think, on Amiga computers, like very old, simple computers compared to what we can do nowadays with CGI. And so, they, f- whenever you see spaceships, it's all rendered in a, in a computer, but it's it's a, like a very simple, um, z- z- simple com- computer. Um, I would say that simple computers back then, they, these were basically consumer computers. So it doesn't look very good. Um, that, that none of that can be upscaled because it was rendered in very low resolution, SD, lower than SD resolution, so lower than DVD resolution, because it was made for 4x3 televisions. Um, all the acting was was filmed uh, with uh, celluloid, So how you call it? So it was used with traditional film, so you could totally upscale that and, and, and clean it up but they can't redo the special effects because they don't have any of the files anymore. They don't have the models anymore. The software is probably ancient, you know, prehistoric compared to uh, what, what computers do nowadays. So there's no way to salvage those shots. The only way that I can envision a future remake of, not a remake, but a, a remaster of Babylon 5 is if they use artificial intelligence to recreate the, the shots. And actually, that is... Closer than you think. You, I think you can you can train an algorithm and tell them just look at this you know very low resolution CGI stuff. Um, here is uh, let me let me give you a a, a few million um, very very nicely shot uh, uh, examples of what spaceships look like nowadays and what we can do and and just redo all these special effects in high resolution. I think I think that's going to happen. Uh, and, and, and maybe sooner than we think. Anyway, uh, that's more here and there. The, the thing is, um, the Babylon 5 fans have been hoping for some kind of reboot or reimagination. And uh, Michael Straczynski has actually said that he is working on a reimagining of of Babylon 5. It won't be the same story. He's not going to redo it or reboot it going to be in the same universe, but it's it's a totally different story. However, all that is still um, in, in limbo. Uh, Warner uh, Warner Brothers has to greenlight that, and they were on the verge of doing that, but then the writer's strike, and the, at least the, 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 thre- the menace of a writer's strike um halted every every project that was in development so we we will only know after the writer strike is over if that if that goes forward if so then of course it's going to be huge for for babylon 5 fans to to, to see uh, a gifted storyteller like Straczynski um creating creating a new babylon 5 series with what we can do nowadays like the, the 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 just quality of television making the quality of special effects um the the, the high standards it, 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 it will be brilliant but since we knew it, it, that it wasn't going to be um that television series what else was he was he teasing and and even at one point he posted a, like a logo of like a, a redone Babylon 5 logo. And then he says, mm, a few days from now, it's going to be big. That's all I'm going to say. So I've been thinking, yeah, what could it be? What could it be? And and I was like, you know what? I, th- I bet you it's going to be a book. After all, he's a writer, yeah? So he's going to write a book. Maybe it's going to be like a huge compendium of all the commentary on the Babylon 5 Uh, episodes, because he does a a lot of, um, he's got a patron, and he does these these commentaries, and in the past, he's also done tons and tons of interviews about Babylon 5. I was like, I bet you it's going to be a book. Well, lo and behold, it is a movie. It's an actual animated movie, and according to Straczynski himself, it's the best thing that he's done since the end of the original series. That's how proud he is, and he has done some Babylon Five related stuff afterwards. There were some television movies, none of which were very memorable. But um, this is an animated movie, and it's already completely finished. They even recorded an audio commentary. So <laughs> that is so cool. We're gonna have, and this the the, the uh, Warner Brothers uh, is going to announce it in in I think in a week from now or very very soon. Uh, so then we will know more, and hopefully there will be a teaser, and you can bet that I will do a reaction video to the teaser for that animated movie. And of course, if this works well, there could be other animated movies. After all, they've already created all the models and all the, you know, what it's like with Clone Wars. It started with, a, with an animated movie, and then they did like a 10, what is it, 10 season series so I wouldn't be surprised if that is uh, at least one of the ways in which they can continue the Babylon 5 legacy and and of course if people are enthusiastic and and, and it does well then that makes it even more likely that they will also do a live action series good times for science fiction fans (laughs) Catholics rock It's time for a short visit to the Peculiar Bunch, and as um, as you know, we're heading towards the Feast of Pentecost. Catmunks can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat, light bulbs? And since we, the Pentecost is the Feast of the Holy Spirit, maybe I should explain a little bit more about what the Holy Spirit is. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. Now, as usual in theology, it's much easier to say what God is not than to explain what what God actually is. In fact, if I can explain who God is and what he is, then I probably am not talking about God, because God is a mystery that ultimately eludes our, our, uh, our, our puny little minds. But it doesn't mean that we can't say anything, because... As you know, Christianity is a revealed religion. Uh, it's it's based on a revelation. It's not something that you can come up by thinking hard. There are certain things like the existence of a creator, um, you know, uh, the, the the whole concept of God as a as not a a being like a create part of creation, but as the being of everything that is. That stuff you can do with the, with philosophy. But a lot of what we know about about who God is is has been revealed by God himself throughout history and of course, in the old testament we we read lots of stories we we read what the prophets say about God, and over the centuries a certain a certain image starts to crystallize well, who is this god and and what is he not and and what is maybe our projection onto god and and over time it becomes clearer and clearer however the ultimate revelation uh that god uh, makes about who he truly is is in the birth of christ his son his only son um begotten not made as they say which means not not a cr- not just a creature um jesus is of course has his human nature Uh, indicates that he is one of us, but he's also God, just like God, uh, which means he's not created. Um, And and this is very important in in the Christian idea of the Trinity because thanks to Jesus, we know about the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself talks about the Holy Spirit as the helper, as the one who comes after him, and will remind everyone of what Jesus has done and said. And so that is what happens fifty days after um, after Easter, when the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles gathered in Jerusalem in the form of something that looks like flames, and then they speak different languages, and everybody can understand what they are saying, even though the apostles were in general very simple, simple people from very modest background. So the Holy Spirit is is a revealed. Uh, part of God. And, and it's over time that the early Christians thinking about, so we know that we have God. And Jesus told us, call God your Father. So we've got God the Father. Then he himself is the Son of God. So, but he's also God. So, and there can only be one God. <laughs> there, are no, there are not three gods. God can only be one. Um so how how do we rhyme that? And and then the, Jesus himself talks about the Holy Spirit. So now we've got three persons, and yet one God? How do we how does that work? Well, you know what? <laughs> Asking the question is answering it. We don't know how that works. We just know that we can affirm with certainty that there is only one God, but that there are three persons and that these three persons are truly persons they're not just disguises not just one god who puts on a mask and you know like hey guys now i'm jesus and now i'm changing quickly and put on a pair of wings or whatever and now i'm the holy spirit no it's not like that because jesus speaks about his father as a person different from him so even in the relationship between jesus and the father you already see that there is an actual distinction and yet, one God. So, the Holy Spirit is maybe for Christians the most difficult person of the Trinity to um, to understand and to to visualize. It's even harder. How can you visualize a spirit? Um, and so, one of the things that in theology we say is um, uh, the Holy Spirit is you see the existence and the presence of the holy spirit in his effects on people because the holy spirit works through us just as you see the holy spirit working in jesus even before he mentions the holy spirit but we see in the gospels that whenever there is a mention of the holy spirit it is because we see his effects on what jesus does like when jesus goes into the desert it is mentioned that he does that because he's driven there by the Holy Spirit. So it's the first mention in, in the gospel of the Holy Spirit is when Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days. Um, so you see that the way in which the gospels talk about the Holy Spirit is through the actions of Jesus. And this is the same thing, that when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he says, it's a helper. It's someone who will work inside of you, and he will mention, he will remind you of what I've said Um uh, it's what the disciples, when they walk to Emma's, feel when Jesus speaks with them. They say, "Our hearts were aflame; on, we were on fire." It's it's another mention of of the of something that is described or uh, is approximated with fire. So that's that's the movement of the Holy Spirit. And in our Catholic tradition, we've um, uh, we say that there are actually seven gifts of the holy spirit seven things that you see in people that are an indication that the holy spirit is working through them and these seven gifts that are offered to anyone who wants to be a follower of Jesus are the following and they may sound a bit abstract and maybe a bit even a bit like archaic uh, but let me try to explain what what it means but let me first mention these seven gifts of the holy spirit you've got fortitude Piety, the fear of God, counsel, understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. Those are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, what do these words actually mean? Um, fortitude, so think strength. What, what does that mean? It It means that the Holy Spirit will help you Uh, to overcome difficulties in your life, to be stronger than what is holding you back or what is putting you down. Um, And the Holy Spirit does that by giving you faith. It's the strength of faith. It is this this confidence, this trust, that no matter what happens to you in life, God will be at your side, and He will give you the strength to overcome this, and you only have to believe uh, in order to... Let that aspect of the Holy Spirit work in your life. Piety. Um, think of prayer, of course. Well, what is that? It is, um, it is the movement of our heart towards God in, in prayer. It's the, this, this movement that makes us trust God our Father in the same way a child would trust his or her parents. Um, so it's this filial love, you could say, so piety is not just saying prayers. Now, saying prayers is, 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 is the method. But what, it, what prayers hope to accomplish is to bring your heart closer to the Father who created you. Fear of God, that is is a a tricky one to to explain because we we associate the word fear with, like, uh, zombies and Dracula and, you know, fear of... uh, Why should we be afraid of God? If Jesus tells us that God loves us, then why why would we fear God? But the fear of God as a concept is... um, Fear, you could say, it's also awe. So, A-W-E. It means... You you run away from sin uh, because sin is 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 the opposite of what God wants for you. Um, so and you respect God too much to let sin rule you over your life. Um, you try to do what pleases God because you respect Him so much. And so fear in this way, in this sense, um, I, I would think it's more akin to to respect and and love and you know a certain fear it's like trembling is when you go and meet someone who you really like think of of what happens during every star Wars convention when people go and and get a photo shoot with their favorite actor you know there's a certain trepidation you go i'm could it be in the same room as, I don't know, Ewan McGregor or Hayden Christensen? And then you see some of these fans literally tremble with excitement and awe, and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm standing next to this, this actor who embodies one of my old time you know, fictional heroes. Um, it's that, but then, of course, to the max when it comes to God. So fear of God, trepidation. Counsel. Is another gift of the Holy Spirit. Counsel encourages us to follow the solution that most matches uh, God's will, you could say, and the good that God wants for you and for for others. So, counsel um, also can can express itself in in someone literally counseling you and helping you to understand what God wants and and, and helps you discern. And counsel is not something that you it's not just you coming up with stuff but it's you uh, asking god what do you want asking other people to help you discern what is god's will understanding that's that's slightly different from counsel so counsel is more when it comes to what do i have to do understanding is more like what does it mean uh it, it understanding insight helps us to understand the word of god so the way god speaks to us in jesus um, and also helps us to understand the faith, the the the, the whole. You could say that the, the richness of faith that that is a crystallization of what Jesus said and did, and so understanding that and, and seeing the coherence. It's not being able to explain everything, but it's understanding is is seeing the the kind of the fabric of faith, and and to to start to understand well. You know what? All these dogmas—they're not just standalone things where either you say I agree or I don't agree. Um, no, it's to see that wait a minute, this this is is part of a bigger tissue, and uh, like I can only understand, for instance, the role of the Virgin Mary if I understand how she, as the mother of God, is related to the overall salvation of mankind, and and so everything in faith is interlinked and is interconnected and understanding is a gift of the holy spirit that helps you see these connections without of course fully grasping everything and being able to explain everything wisdom that's another gift of the holy spirit um wisdom i would say is is different from understanding wisdom is uh is seeing the world from the perspective of god and and not just from a human point of view, so wisdom is asking yourself, you know, what, well, what would Jesus say? What would he do? What what do I see uh, in in the revelation in in scripture? Um, how how God interacts with us? And so, what does that mean for me? Um, and 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 maybe if if God looks at the world and looks at me in a certain way, then maybe I can I can learn I can be taught how to look at the world and how to look at myself and my neighbor from in in in, in, in the way that god looks at at all of us and that's wisdom and finally knowledge um is is similar but it's you know seeing seeing god uh seeing the world from god's perspective but also learning uh learning things uh, the 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 disciples of jesus were called disciples because they were literally disciples they were uh, they were learning they were in a constant um, attitude of of uh, help me understand uh, help me remember this so the holy spirit when jesus says the holy spirit will remind you every of everything i've said and done this is what he means the holy spirit will give you knowledge he will remind you what to, he will tell you what to say when you're in a in a in a difficult situation don't worry about it says jesus the holy spirit will will tell you what to say and how to defend yourself that's that's a kind of like this knowledge and it's not knowledge it's not just for professors and theologians you know there can be this this almost instant knowledge that, that even children have of God. I, I notice this very often in my conversations with children in, in church, you know, when there is a, sometimes they come back from the, the liturgy of the Word and then you have a little talk with them and then sometimes these kids can say very big truths about God and you wonder, where where did it get that from? And I think it's, it's sometimes it's just the Holy Spirit just <laughs> working through these kids because they don't have a filter yet. Their own reason, their own mind is not in the way. And so sometimes kids can can say incredibly valuable things. Um, they have a knowledge that I can only explain uh, as, as a gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, now you know. Those are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers for Am I the only one who did the reading? I've done uh, quite a bit of reading. Not as much as I wanted, though. Um, it's been a busy week. But I did read a book called The Song of Spider-Man, which is um, an account by one of the writers of the musical, the infamous musical, musical that uh, had a lot of trouble, both in, the, in the, the pre-production as well as in the execution of the, of the musical. It's no longer on Broadway. Um this was a very technical show with lots of stunts and uh, a lot of the, the the ambitions led to big disasters but there was also a lot of drama behind the scenes. Now I I kind of thought the book was interesting but also it it was a bit irritating to read because the the writer himself being having been part of the production is very biased. And you can tell that he is. And even sometimes a bit condescending when he talks about certain other people that he worked with. Um, he's very self-righteous. Like, it's not his fault. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it it really started to grate after a while. It's, it's not, a, it's not a, a quick book to read. Um, lots and lots of stories. But it's a bit gossipy. And, yeah it was interesting to read how a, a musical like, like a big Broadway musical like that is produced, but it wasn't an uplifting story. It still left me a bit with a, a bitter aftertaste. Like, Oh my gosh, what a, what can people sometimes be just small in the, in the, in the way they, they think, even though the, the ambitions amb, ambitions were huge, but it, a lot of the, Reasons I think for the for the failure ultimately of of the Spider Man musical was all this infighting and all these people that didn't really see eye to eye. The other book that I read was uh, much more interesting. It's uh, storytelling in twelve steps. I talk a bit more about it on uh, my latest episode of the Walk. It's it's a um, it's a practical application of the mono myth, like the the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell, but then with exercises and suggestions for the stories that you want to write. Or tell yourself. It was really, really good to read that, since it's something I've been focusing on uh, in in my own storytelling when it comes to podcasting and and filming. And then this is the first week of our Silmarillion project, of which I spoke last week. Um, So this is an effort by a few members of our book club on on the Discord server um, to to motivate each other to finally read The Silmarillion, which, of course, every Tolkien fan should have read, but a lot of them haven't, because it's quite impenetrable compared to uh, to The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. It's It's got a very epic, uh, archaic style, which is sometimes even a bit harder to read than the Bible. <laughs> but uh, we, we put it on the menu, and every week we're reading about six chapters, and so this is the first week. I have to say... It's now Friday. Saturday is the last day, and I still have to read all six chapters. So here's my confession I didn't do my homework. (laughs) <laughs> I created a subgroup on the server, uh, and once we've all read our, uh, our first six chapters, we can chat about it. And if you want to join the book club, then, of course, uh, um, the quickest way to do that is to just become a patron for, uh, what is it, the lowest tier is 250 a month, and you'll get access to, to all the categories that are for, um, for the patrons, and you can join us in our effort. And we'll, we'll do, if this works, we will do more books in the future. So it's hopefully also a motivation for the members of the book club to uh, to kind of expand their horizon a little bit and and maybe sometimes read a book that you wouldn't read all by yourself. Um, let's talk about food. Take a look in the kitchen. English breakfast. The first time I had English breakfast I think was um, was in Ireland. <laughs> and then in Scotland I we ordered it. I never made it myself. Always went to a restaurant or a pub to eat it. And it's good. It it's it's just this has a bad rap to be an artery clogging event and you know there is some truth to that because it's uh, it's very rich. It was meant as a breakfast, a traditional breakfast for people who had to do manual labor and work all day. And so, you know, what better way to get energy for whatever job you have to do um, than by, by eating toast with beans and some sausages and eggs. A lot of protein is very protein rich and a few Carbohydrate, carb. What's carbs uh, in the bread? Although the toast itself doesn't really add that much carb. Uh, carbs. The the uh, the beans, of course, are excellent. An excellent source of fiber. So it has a bad rap, but I don't think it's entirely justified. It just depends what you, what you do for the rest of the day. It's meant to sustain you. If you do hard labor, if you go and sit at the computer playing video games all day long on the uh, and you have like an English breakfast in the morning, maybe maybe you're you're you you'll go over your calorie limit for the day. Now I've been um uh enjoying an english breakfast uh several times during my trip to uh to the UK and um and 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 sometimes I do this kind of culinary revisit of uh, uh of certain places. So um this past week I I bought a few chipolata uh, sausages. They were on sale. Um, like seventy percent off or something like that. Okay, it's only just one buck, and I have a whole bunch of sausages. I will just and oh, maybe I can buy some some white beans and tomato sauce, and then I can make some toast. I couldn't find any black pudding in the Netherlands. It's a it's a very typical English thing, Scottish and Irish as well, um, but it's it's hard to get in the Netherlands because we just don't eat it. We have something that is a bit similar. It's blood sausage. Um, and some of it, uh, a certain type of that, you can also bake it, but I think I have to go to, they used to sell that at, at the supermarket, but none of the supermarkets here in my village have it, and it's probably because a lot of people kind of don't like the idea of eating a blood-based sausage, which is literally made with, among other ingredients, with uh, with blood from a pig. So, hmm, maybe I'll have to ask my local... Um, um, what you call that, the the butcher? If they if he has blood sausage, I probably will have to pay a fair price for that though. So, uh, but right now I'm I'm just enjoying my my very simple like poor man's version of a, an English breakfast. So I just have the sausages, some toast and some white beans and tomato sauce. Not everybody likes the beans, though, and it's definitely a bit of an acquired taste. The, the, the red beans, uh, or beans and red tomato sauce, I, I associate them with, uh, um, with, with lent. It's something that sometimes my mom would heat up and just serve on Fridays. As a penance, so it doesn't have a very strong positive connotation, and it's only when I, when it was part of, of an English breakfast that I started to you know get used to the taste of of, of toast plus plus beans. Um, and it also depends on the brand. Some of the brands are very sweet, like a lot of sugar in the tomato sauce, and other brands are much more. than tomato sauce is just tomatoes, um, so it's not as sweet as some other. Types so um, your mileage may may vary. Um, speaking of um, of cooking myself, I'm uh, tonight. I'm going to make my own hummus. I I found a good deal on chickpeas. Um, I already have sesame paste. You just need to add a bit of garlic, some olive oil, and pepper and salt, and put all that in the blender to make really nice hummus, which of course goes well with with salads uh, you can put it on toast um, it's it's a very cheap alternative to, uh, um, to, to like other hearty spreads um, so I'm probably going to make a, a bit of it because it can, you, you can only keep it in the fridge for about 3 or 4 days um, and then I'll make some more but uh, there you go we are on the cutting edge of technology wow well what does that mean Plug it in. It's going to say, Hey, I see you've plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built. Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. In this tech segment, I talk a lot about Apple, but uh, today I want to talk about Android. And the reason is that. Pixel. um, The Pixel phone and the Pixel tablet are, at least the newer models are going to be announced, um, I think next week on May the 10th, by Google. Now Google, uh, of course, don't don't say anything now. Let's wait until it stops listening. I accidentally activated my Google device and now before I know it, it's going to spout a lot of Wikipedia knowledge. I think it's done listening. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, G O O G L E um has uh, of, of course uh, created Android as a kind of a, uh, an alternative operating system that was very similar in the beginning to uh iOS. Um but then it 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 developed and they started to improve it at the same rate as Apple did with their um, operating system. And it's now a staple for most phones. Um, So most non-Apple phones run on Android. Um, However, the big issue, of course, is there are a lot of manufacturers of phones, lots of different types of hardware, and only one Android. And so a lot of, um, uh, there are a lot of companies that will take Android, which is kind of open source, and then they will make their own fork. I think that's how they call it, so they, they adapt. Um, that particular Android version to their specific device. Of course, Google cannot do that. It would be way too much work. And they don't have control over the hardware. That has changed a few years ago when uh, when, uh, Google started to make um, its own phones and later on also smartwatches. And now, for the first time, they are going to uh, launch uh, a tablet. And that tablet has already been spotted in uh, a couple of promotional videos now the, the 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 second thing they're going to introduce on May the 10th is a um foldable phone and in in that respect they are a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to phones at least they are um they're more ahead than Apple is Apple is said to be working on a foldable phone but it's not anytime soon that we're going to see one um but uh Google made the jump and they are they have actually officially announced the, the Pixel Fold, um, and apparently, according to them, it's got a very one of the best hinging mechanisms. Because of course, that is kind of the the weakest point of the phone. It's it's, it's literally mechanically closing, and you need to have a, a foldable LED screen that doesn't break that can withstand uh, you know years of of uh, usage. Um, but apparently, they figured out how to do it, and this is good news for Android. Because for years, one of the things that Apple did very, very well with iOS was that there was a phone version of iOS, but every developer was also encouraged to make their software independent from, you know, resolution independent, so it could also run on the iPad. And the iPad, for years, has, of course, been a pretty big success for Apple. It's the only tablet that everybody knows and and most developers work for, there wasn't an equivalent for android there were tablets but they were not made by google and so that a lot of these tablets were um, by samsung market leader they're very good tablets but the downside is the operating system itself um it it, it does run on a tablet but nobody develops for a tablet for tablet resolutions because there were no, no, no official tablets. And the market for Samsung tablets is way too small. The, the, the market dominance of the, of the iPad is, is huge compared to, to Android-based tablets. And so uh, this is why um, even if you have a, a, a very good hard, you know, level of hardware, a very good Android tablet, the experience itself is very subpar compared to uh, iOS just because the apps are not, just not there and And so you're m- most of the time you're just playing with a a, a phone a phone based app that is somehow kind of stretched out to work on a tablet, but it's not a it's not an optimal uh, solution. This may change quite a bit now that um, that Google is bringing their own tablet to the market uh, because uh, th- that may actually give Android tablets um kind of the official status that it needs and if a lot of people will buy either a, a Pixel Fold or a Pixel Tablet that will create a much much bigger market for developers. Um so and I truly hope that 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 developers will start to develop resolution independent stuff for tablets and for tablet shaped phones because if you open up the fold even though it's like a, looks like a regular phone until you open it up and then it's it's like a square tablet. So if that becomes a success, uh, then Apple will get competition, and that's also very good for Apple. It's like with the cameras. as Samsung is doing such amazing things with their cameras. Even Xiaomi, like a Chinese brand, they, their photos, their cameras, their sensors are superior to what Apple is doing. There's a lot of criticism on Apple. Like, you're behind a curve. You're doing that kind of hdr over-sharpening stuff. Cut it out. Look at Samsung. Look at what Xiaomi is doing. They are really ahead of you. And that forces Apple to improve in the next phone. And you want that same thing to happen also for the iPad because the iPad is a very powerful tablet. But there are so many things that I feel are are still underdeveloped. There's so much more you could do with this. But why would they? Tiny, minor upgrades is probably enough to keep people buying another ipad so why there's no incentive for them to uh, to make drastic improvements and this is why a bit more competition from the android side could be very good and with that ladies and gentlemen we've come to the end of this episode of the break thank you so much for the privilege of your time i have but one thing to share with you and that is of course an inspirational thought of the week and i figured since i'm trying to motivate myself to read The Silmarillion, why don't I take something from the um, recent Rings of Power television show, which of course was not written by Tolkien, but definitely inspired by The Silmarillion and by The Lord of the Rings and the Appendices. And in The Rings of Power, we're introduced to an elf called Arondir. And even though... You know, Tolkien never came up with that character. He does actually say a lot of Tolkienesque things. And I found this really great quote about one of the transcendentals, as we call them in in philosophy. Plato came up with these transcendentals as like what goes beyond categories. It's like, you know, beauty, being, um, truth, that sort of stuff. Um, and here's what Aaron Deere says about beauty. Beauty has great power to heal the soul. And we know how important beauty is for the elves and how much the elven culture, even the one that we see on the screen, is imbibed with beauty. It's not just for aesthetical reasons. It's because it's, it's got power to heal the soul.